Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins hockey talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online. Another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a Patreon member to be eligible for weekly Boston hockey prizes and monthly Boston Bruins hand-signed jersey giveaways. Please go to patreon.com slash podcast and donate just $1 per episode. Many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show. What's up, Bruins fans? Welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. This is episode 298 and is brought to you by show sponsor betonline.ag. Please go to betonline.ag and use that code CLNS50 because it does us a great deal of service and helps uh, pay the bills of our small sports uh, media company. Um, exciting time. We're getting closer to Boston Bruins hockey. We actually have a game we're going to talk about when we also have several topics that uh, we uh, scrounged together to get a show done this week. Um, but, but without further ado, I just want to mention that we are not with Dom Tiano this week again as he continues to mend. But we're also with, we're, uh, not without, <laughs> we are without, sorry, uh, Kevin O'Keefe, who uh, really is not um, uh, feeling very well. Um, I, I'm sure he's going to be okay after after he gets uh, um, some attention. But um, uh, hopefully... Uh, Kevin is going to be uh, good to go for next week, and uh, hopefully Dom is going to be good to go too uh, as soon as possible. Uh, he's doing well. For those who have uh, reached out and 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 asked about Dom and his progression uh, throughout this, uh, you know, after his surgery and, and this uh, pretty scary, uh, you know, situation we had a couple weeks ago. So uh, just want to fill everybody in, but uh, to fill in, what a segue right there, Mark um, <laughs> is. Um, you know, because uh, Kevin's not here. We do have Mike Sullivan, and he is a, a writer at the blackandgoldhockey.com website. And he's also a uh, um, a member of the uh, BNG Podcast Network, and he uh, he is the host of the Something Brewing Hockey Podcast. 
and uh, it's a great show, fun show. I, I love listening to it. I love ripping you guys afterwards, but it's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> but Mike Sullivan, thank you very much for coming back once again. You're becoming more of a regular than anybody else around here. But uh, the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, welcome to you, sir. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's always a pleasure to come on here and talk the latest in Bruins hockey. So I can't wait to go for another episode. Absolutely. And again, thank you for being the 11th hour guy and, you know, um, and just, uh, you know, being you because you're, you're a class act, my man. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right. Um, let's start with the, uh, the, uh, you know what? I want to do something actually, before I do that. Um, I know that we have a lot of listeners that pretty much stay, hopefully you stay throughout the whole show, but if you do not, I do want to mention that we are looking for more writers and podcasts so if you have a create if you have any creativity and you're a diehard boston bruins fan that commit to uh content uh every week uh we're looking for you know uh credentialed writers uh for the providence bruins credential writers for the main mariners if you want it we don't have credentials for the uh, nhl boston bruins quite yet that's still a, a mission i'm working on but if you want to join us uh, and uh and you know create articles or audio podcasts or even uh youtube video channel if you'd like um please uh send us an email at uh black and gold productions llc at gmail.com as you can see the uh the address um on the um on the screen right now if you're a, a youtube video uh viewer which we really appreciate those guys and please uh like and subscribe and and get some more people to uh join up on the uh youtube follow please but uh we would certainly appreciate a lot more people to jump on board and create some more content because we uh we have a nice little community of folks here that um that do a great job and uh we, i want to grow this uh this this company a little bit more and we can't do that without new fresh ideas and, and creativity so like i brought on mike so it's a perfect example right there yeah i mean if if uh i just wanted to say since joining the uh company as well it's been nothing but you know a good experience you guys help out a ton um if if we ever have questions regarding our podcast we're you know you're always reliable you're always ready to help us out and you know steer us in the right direction so if if you are looking to you know become a writer or become a podcaster this is a great place to come and and work for so awesome i appreciate that plug <laughs> tie a pump and gotta love it <laughs> all right my man let's talk uh some uh, boston bruins um because that's what is everybody is here for. Oh, shoot. I forgot to mention this, too. We also have a listener hotline that we want to get more involved this this uh, this season. So if you have a Bruins-related question and you can leave us a voicemail, a brief voicemail, that's Boston Hockey Talk, uh, please uh, give us a call at 978-504-2727. That's 978-504-2727. 2727 and we certainly appreciate that because we want to do like an an audio listener segment where we take all these audio um submissions and we throw it up here and you guys ask the questions via voicemail and we answer them here on the black and hockey podcast so i think that would be kind of fun and and hopefully more people get engaged with that because it's awesome all right but speaking let's get back to uh our agenda uh, longtime Boston Bruins team captain Zdeno Chara announced his retirement from the NHL on Tuesday of last week, and he signs a one-day contract to retire a Boston Bruin. Um, I'll jump in first of all right here. I really do understand what Zdeno Chara meant to this team. Um, he was probably one of the biggest free agent signings in 
I know in my history of, of being a Boston Bruins fan, uh, because uh, he helped, he was one of the uh, the orchestrating members, especially on the back end of um, you know getting this team to the Stanley Cup, and and I got to see my first in in my lifetime. So, um, yeah, I, I have a lot of um, good things to say about Zdeno Chara, but towards his the end of his career, you could definitely tell that he was slowing down a lot. He was really showing that he was uh, he was in his forties and so on. But I, I besides that. You know, I really can't down the guy for how much of a hard worker he was and how much of a a person he was in the locker room that needed to change how things were done in in each locker room that he uh, that he visited, not just in the Boston Bruins or the New York Islanders or the Ottawa Senators. I believe in Boston, it was a big culture change when he came. You know, people were more respected than they ever were before, especially rookies back in the day and, and veterans alike. But the the room needed as they know Chara. And obviously that leadership really turned everybody around to work that much harder. And and when they saw all, all what he was doing, whether it be in the gym or on the ice or during practice, you know, it, it, it was uh, a great reflection, you know, uh, attitude reflects leadership, in, in my opinion. And and I think that he did a fantastic job in turning things around here. Um, and I know it's a team effort. It's not just one guy, but, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy he was here. I'm, you know, I will say that he wasn't my favorite Bruin and I know Mike that you were, he wasn't your favorite Bruin either, but as I get older and I, you know, you know, start to calm down a little bit more on my, on my, <laughs> on my icy cold takes, you know, um, you really have to reflect the guy's career and understand how much he meant uh, to the team and the Boston community. So uh, enough of me babbling and, and, you know, basically trying to cover my tracks from the things I said uh, so many <laughs> years ago, but uh, Mike, I just want to get your thoughts on Zina Chara and finally, uh, you know, hanging it up and, and, re- and understanding that he needs to spend some time with his family and, 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 and reflect on the career that he had. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely not the only one who had some negative takes about Chara. I remember, and Nick always reminds me about this too, it was after 2011, maybe around like 2014, 2015, I was saying that the Bruins should trade him while he still has extreme value. Because at that time, the Bruins were kind of in a period of a retool. And in my mind, I was saying, well, you know, Chara still has mega value. If if they can find a way to move him and you know, get some prospects, get some, you know, uh, foundational pieces for the future. I would have been open to it, but then that time period passed and I was happy that they didn't because the experience that he brings into a locker room and into, you know, our roster is unrivaled. You know, he, he single-handedly brought a winning culture back to the Boston Bruins organization. I mean, you can see it as instantly when he came, he was named the captain I know that was in his contract when he when he signed here that he would be named captain. And from that moment on, you saw more emotion coming from Bruins players. You saw guys really start to care. Um, younger players, you know, like a Bergeron, like a Milan Lucic, um, they flourished under guys' wings like Zidane Ochara, who, who really taught them the ropes and um, taught them how to be a professional at the National Hockey League level. And so we still feel his impact even in today's, you know, in today's Bruins roster, guys like Bergeron. Bergeron definitely definitely learned a couple things from Zidane Ochara in the way that he leads this team and the way that he maintains his captainship. And 
uh, Nick also had a good point to um, some of the disdain that Chara received from Bruins fans towards the end of his time here could have come from, you know, Bergeron still wearing the A and not being given the C because a lot of people, myself included, thought Bergeron had deserved the C for a long time. You know, he was even at that time when Char was still here, Bergeron was still getting up there in age. He was getting into his mid thirties, still had the A and a lot of people were saying, all right, come on now. This is Bergeron's team. Like he needs to see blah, blah, blah. But I mean, Char is always going to be a Boston Bruin. Great. Um, like Andrew Taverna said, his legacy will always be bringing that championship culture back into Boston. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I'm, one of my favorite things that seeing that Chara did while on the decline of his career towards the end in, in Boston was the, uh, the nurturing that he was doing with, uh, with Charlie McAvoy, you know, and, and that bond that they had, I mean, you could just sincerely see that it was, strong that they they really fed off each other that mac was always that sponge when chara was around and um and you you could see the emotional effects sometimes you know because i remember watching behind the b which is just an an unbelievable series which allows us fans to get more in-depth um views of what's going on behind closed doors where you and i and a lot of people don't don't go on a regular basis even even the boston media sometimes um, but you see that, you see what he did, you see how McAvoy took it and so on. And it was just, you know, would, uh, Charlie McAvoy be the type of player, uh, he is today without Chara? I mean, Charlie Max, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be a Norris trophy winning, um, defenseman someday, hopefully when, uh, when all the numbers, uh, you know, the goals, assists and points kind of like, you know, you know, pave their way to, really good defensive structure and, and zone to zone, you know, uh, coverage and, and how that's, uh, viewed. If you want to get into the uh, underlying numbers and analytics as well. I, I mean, I think he's right up there in the top five, uh, but you know, but would he be that player without the guidance of Zidane Chara or would he have the character of possibly being the next leader of this team after uh, a player like Patrice Bergeron departs the, uh, the Bruins organization. I hope that doesn't happen, but you know, it, it's going to happen sooner or later. So, yeah. um, but those are the things that Chara just kind of like instilled um, down to these young folks that, you know, even as they grow and, and continue in this Boston Bruins organization, those are the things that they're going to look back on and say, that's what we were. That's how we won. And, and that's how we should be moving forward. So, um, you know, not to, not to go on a, uh, on a 15 minute tangent on, on Chara alone, but it was just, you know, I thought, I thought it was important to bring up the, the, uh, the accolades of, of the man and, and, and just his work ethic and, and personality and character, you know, just, just really stood out to me throughout. Um, and, and, you know, thanks for bringing back that winning culture. Like you mentioned a little while ago, uh, that's important. And if I don't think if that winning culture wasn't there and we were just here to make millions of dollars and and have fun during the offseason, I just don't think I'll ever see that Stanley Cup that I was trying to see, you know, as a kid, you know, 10 years old. And so when I had to wait till I was in my 30s to see it. So um, but no, I mean, thanks. you, Thanks, Z. And best of luck on the uh, on whatever you do. Obviously, you're going to be with family, uh, getting cl- more closer to them. But if he happens to get back into the uh, into hockey, I mean, I'd love to see 
either you know player development with the Bruins or maybe another team and then work his way up to possibly being a coach or uh, athletic trainer you know because you see him being the new John Whitesides I mean just yeah. yelling yelling at you to do like 50 pull-ups and shit like that you know <laughs> Uh, that's kind of a it's intimidating but you yeah. know if that's if that's the role that he he would like to, to to have then good for him but yeah i think um for him personally i'd love to see him remain in the bruins organization one way or the other whether it's a coaching role a fitness role um again nick nick mentioned um being a strength and conditioning coach which with his you know, physical ability, like, like we had mentioned as well, like there were those um, videos with a, with a pull-up competition and Zdeno Char was blowing everybody out of the water. I mean, he's just an insanely fit human being who knows what it takes to prepare your body for the grind of an 82 plus game schedule. And I think for him not to be in the Bruins organization, you know, coaching role, uh, training role, whatever, whatever it may be. I think it's not exactly a waste, but I think it's a missed opportunity if uh, the Bruins at least don't explore it. Yeah, absolutely. And and to end on that, uh, I just wanted to mention that I, along with a couple other podcasts that I listen to and, and some writers that think that Shara should have hung him up after the 2019. Yeah, I know, that's what I said. I know you guys mentioned it on the Something Bruin and definitely check them out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and give them a follow um and what, what's the uh, twitter account again it's uh at bruin something yep so yeah uh i was totally on board with that man go, you know broken jaw bubble everything that's the way to go out yeah you know and uh unfortunately just he couldn't you know he just he wouldn't want to take the uh you know the diminished minutes and play that you know seven and eight role as a defenseman in here he, the guy had a lot of pride and he wanted to continue his career and be at a top level but unfortunately had to be done other places but it's good that he came back and signed a one-day contract to retire with the Bruins I mean that was a great uh ceremony and so on uh, I wish we had boots on the ground for that but uh people were busy unfortunately um but you know, I, I think that sometime this year, there's going to be a Zdeno Chara day and 33 is going to go up to the rafters. And oh, and, and, sh- and shortly that, I believe he's going to be a first, um, uh, what would they call that? Hall of Famer? First first ballot Hall of Famer. First ballot, yeah. First yeah. ballot Hall of Famer, you know. So um, it's going to be a good year for him. And, and, you know, it's going to be a good recognition year for his, his, uh, his um, contributions in the NHL and Boston. But... You know, also, it's important to be with family. And I, I totally respect his decision. Yeah, absolutely. Especially at his age. I mean, he had an unbelievable career. Um, you know, to hang it up now, I think it's only right. Um, but yeah, his he'll be his jersey will be up in the rafters one day. Um, I mean, potentially a statue. I mean, <laughs> he was big on the ice, a six foot nine statue outside of the garden. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, it would. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get away from the Chara talk. Um, the uh, Prospects Challenge was in Buffalo last weekend, and uh, Kevin and I talked about it uh, last Sunday as it was in pretty much in the middle of the, of that tournament. And it's a tournament uh, that is an annual thing in, at the Harbor Center in Buffalo, New York. Um, so I just wanted to kind of like wrap up on that, on some players that I thought really stood out. Um, I thought Johnny Beecher, uh, Fabian Lysel, um, and uh, 
and Luke Toporowski, uh, and he was he, he's an AHL only signed contract, and he's going to be with uh, Providence for two years. But um, he's I, I don't consider them a I really don't consider him a prospect quite yet. Uh, I, I think that AHL only deals are, are for further evaluations from the NHL Boston Bruins team and their scouting staff. But once they get that two way, I kind of consider them a prospect then because they'll be in the fold for the upper level as well uh, in, in case, you know, break glass in case of emergency. Or if if the kid like Toporowski can actually crack the lineup, um, Don Sweeney had a lot of good things to say about him, about his gritty style, being an undersized forward, and the, and the kid can put the puck in the net, um, and he's fast, he got a great shot. So he was one of the standouts uh, for me. Um, Jakob Lauko, um, I really don't want to see him use his fist much at all. We'll talk about him later. Uh, I, but he wasn't really much of a go-around uh, this time. I really want to see him get more offensive and so on. Hopefully he has a better year. Um, who else? Who else played well at the uh, prospects challenge? Uh, when we talked about talking to you about uh, what you saw and and um, what were your highlight moments from the from that uh, uh, tournament last weekend? Yeah, I mean, one guy. I mean, the obvious guys are guys like you know Johnny Beecher had a really good prospect um, challenge. Fabian Lysel definitely stood out. Toporowski's shot is crazy. I didn't I didn't know that about him, um, but. Someone who I wasn't even really looking at too much found his way to standing out to me, and it was uh, Weissman. He's he's big. He's a really big guy, and he uses his his body and his strength to his advantage very well. Um, I liked his game. Uh, like I said, Beecher, Toporowski, Lysel, Jacob. Yeah, is it Jakob Lauko? I think it's yeah. Jacob, but I keep calling him Jakob. Yeah, yeah. Either way, um, he had a good he had a good showing. Uh, there was one other guy, and is it Humphreys? He was a camp invite. It wasn't Humphreys. Um, watch his name will pop up to me in like ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, no but, kidding. Yeah, he was a forward. Um, but e- either way, it, they looked pretty good. They looked like they gelled together pretty well. Um. They were playing good hockey together, which is always a good sign. But definitely Lysel, definitely Beecher, um, and uh, Lauko as well. So, yeah, absolutely. It was um, a good tournament. I mean, it, it's. I mean, anything that happens in these tournaments, most of, most fans are gonna pump their tires and 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 pencil them into the uh, the 2022-23 NHL lineup as soon as possible. Right. Much like they did several years ago with uh, with Jack Sednica after seeing them. Once, once in development camp, they were just like, you know, begging for him to get into the lineup and, and it didn't happen. And we continue, and, you know, here we are, you know. Yeah, still so, talking about it. Exactly. Or, or, the, <laughs> or the prospect is still trying to uh, build his way up and, you know, you, you don't have to rush this guy. But anyway, um, no, there's a lot of good things that come out of that tournament. It's just another evaluation. Um, a lot of fans have been reaching out to me asking why. Uh, a player like um, Mason Lowry did not attend. And and I will say that traditionally NCAA players do not go to these types of tournaments. They do go to development camps. And there's a reason for that. And Dom Tiano, um, our friend and co-host here at the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, and he's a fantastic prospects writer as well. And you can follow his work at domhockey.com. Um, he always tells me, it's like um, the, the, the Bruins pay – 
the whole way for for people to even camp invites you know for development camp so the flights are paid for your hotel is paid for and and whatever your ice time is always paid for but when it comes down to these the rookie camps and, and the buffalo tournaments those the the organization does not cover for uh ncaa prospects or, or any other uh, camp invites so you're basically paying your own way to be evaluated and uh, a lot of these players don't go to that because obviously they're not making any much money in college or or whatever, but they're also getting ready for the upcoming NCAA season. So a lot of these prospect challenge games and these tournaments are always like right up against uh, training for the upcoming year. So it's not a very good idea to to go there because if you get an injury, you're going to be, in, you know, you're going to be pretty much uh, screwed for when you go back to the NCAA level and, uh, and participate in those games because you're not going to be able to because you're hurt. So there's a couple of avenues why uh, they don't go. Um, but I, there's another avenue that I, I've always mentioned is um, is a lot of like the NCAA as a governed body. think that stuff is like professional uh, atmosphere. And um, if you don't treat it appropriately, if I'm not mistaken, and I probably will get will get corrected on this on Twitter, but they uh, the NCAA can pull your scholarship because you're technically participating in a, in a, in a professional environment where, development camp is considered something different. It's not in the time frame uh, of, of when an NCAA season's about to begin. So uh, there's that avenue too, whether, whether folks want to believe it or not, I've heard several things about that. So um, no, but the, the uh, I thought the prospect challenge was good just to wrap up that conversation there. Um, there's a lot of good things, but now, <clears throat> you know, we're moving on to, um, to uh, training camp and, and we're fully involved in that now. We, uh, we, we got to see the first um, preseason game yesterday. We'll talk about that later. Um, but training camp brings in opportunities uh, for younger players internally in the Boston Bruins organization, but it also brings in players from outside of the organization trying to, to stay in the NHL a little bit longer. And then um, the Bruins bring in uh, Anton Stralman and signed him to a PTO. Um, he had... Um, Eight goals, 15 assists, 23 points in 73 games last season in Arizona. Uh, he had 100 block shots. People will keep constantly, constantly keep harping on me about uh, when I say that I'm not a fan of the idea that many folks are saying we need this guy. He's going to cre- uh, create depth. Um, but I might as well just uh, just continue on right there. I like PTOs because they 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 really push the internal members. Our defense is gonna is gonna really need to work hard uh, with the absence of McAvoy and Grizzlick, uh, and who knows if Riley's gonna be absolutely ready to go. We're hearing reports he will be, but it remains to be seen, obviously. Um, but I think Strawman is is a good addition here to to push those internal players. I honestly don't see him sticking around, though. A lot of PTOs don't stick around. They obviously sign with other teams. Uh, I think Strawman's a smart defenseman. He's been around a while, and, and I think he still knows the game, and I think he can still be a value. But this is going against a lot of the stuff that I keep saying in the past is we're not giving our younger members enough of an opportunity to to earn those spots. We're bringing in guys like Felino. We're bringing in guys – you know, like um, like Bacchus and and kind of cock blocking a lot of that upward movement that the uh, the prospects down in Providence and so on need to get into the lineup and get that NHL taste. So a guy like um, Strawman to me, I, I don't see him signing. I really don't because you know um, 
you know, if he signs, then we have to put somebody on LTIR. Um, we, we're already 2.2 million over the cap as it is right now. So a move has to be made. We'll talk about relieving a little bit of cap later on with somebody that we've, we both, uh, have, uh, many things to say about and somebody who could possibly seamlessly sneak right in with his skating ability and size. Um, but I like the idea that he's here. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a veteran presence and so on in the locker room and so on. I mean, if it works out, it works out. I'll be wrong again. I'll, you know, it won't be the first time. But I just, I really want to see the Jakob Zaboros. I want to see Connor Clifton take a, uh, take a bigger step. You know, I, I like Connor's speed and I like his grit and so on. I, and I'm not saying Connor Clifton is better than Anton Strawman, but I just think that when it comes to transition and speed out of the zone, Connor Clifton gives you a little bit more in that aspect, um, maybe a little greener in the, in the, in the tenure. But, you know, I just, that's just the way I feel about Strawman's addition. And if he comes in as the depth move and so on, and, you know, and he, and he, and he he's okay with, um, with, uh, you know, being that seventh and eighth rotationary defenseman, it is what it is, but I just I want to see what the younger guys can do, and if they can get that st- uh, next man up mentality to cover for players who are continuing to recover from surgeries during the off season. Yeah, even so, you mentioned guys like Connor Clifton, and I'm even thinking guys like Jack Ashan. Like it could put pick, uh, it could push a guy like Jack Ashan to work even harder and and get his full potential. I agree with you where I don't think. Um, Anton Schalman is going to sign with the team long-term or even short-term for this year. I think he's his main role here this year is to get into camp, uh, get in, and, and, and push these guys who maybe feel like their spot isn't necessarily given to them, but it makes them work more for their role being saying, okay, well, here's Strawman. Here's this 36 year old veteran who they just brought in in a spot that I play, I'm 10 years younger. I feel like I can play. Now it's time for me to prove that I'm ready to play and they can rely on me. Strawman, you know, he, I think he came into the league in like 2007, 2008. And he was a part of the Tampa Bay lightning team when they won the cup. So he has experience in, in that area of the game where he can, even if he is here for a short amount of time, he can, he can um, mentor these younger guys, maybe, and maybe that's really what he's here for. Um, help these guys learn what it takes to really crack an NHL roster that is due for a successful season. And if you want to be a part of that successful season, then this is what it's going to take. This is how you have to practice. And I'm the type of guy that you're going to have to beat out to get that spot on the team. Yeah. And like I said, he's probably going to push some players and so on because the younger guys that are working hard to get that line, uh, that roster spot and, and, and stay there, you know, Providence, Providence is a great place to go and learn and so on. But it's it, when you're a, an athlete, you want to get to the highest level as soon as possible and so on. So, um, you know, if, if, if people aren't working out and it's and Jim Montgomery, head coach, new head coach of the Boston Bruins doesn't like what he sees it's great to have a guy like Strawman uh, in the, in the back pocket, break glass in case of emergency situation right there. And um, you know, cause he's got tenure and he's got experience and he knows the game and he could fit right into the lineup when needed. So um, if you don't have a guy like that, I mean, it's, it's, 
kind of hard. Um, you know, you, you want to lead that carrot. You want to lead that horse with a carrot and so on. And I think that the, that's the type of uh, situation that's going on right here in the in the early part of this um, this NHL training camp. Our newest partner, Athletic Greens, has just the product to improve your everyday life. I started taking AG1 because I was sick of taking all those tasteless little pills every morning to get the results I wanted for my gut health and immune system. Now I've been on it for a couple of months, and I love it. It doesn't uh, taste like it's super healthy. It's kind of a mild, tropical taste that I actually look forward to each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and I cannot say that word, to help you start your day right. Kevin usually does these. This special <laughs> blend of ingredients supports your gut health, uh, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All the things. I personally use it in the morning to get my day uh, started right. Uh, just put it in my travel bottle and I'm ready to go. I have more energy to face the day and my gut health has never been better. My family and friends ask me what my secret is to my lifestyle improvement and I always tell them it's AG1. Need more reasons to try Athletic Greens? I got you. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you're eat, you eat keto, paleo, vegan, daily free or gluten free. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than a cold brew habit. Athletic Greens has uh, over 7,500 7, five-star reviews, and it's recommended by professional athletes. Uh, right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements uh, to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash BNG. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash BNG to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. And we always thank Athletic Greens for being one of our show sponsors. Might as well get right into uh, the uh, preseason game that happened last night at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, against the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, both teams pretty much rolling out an AHL roster. Um, you know, there was uh, it was mixed veterans and so on. Um, and a uh, pretty decent game, uh, to be honest, in the beginning. They, the Bruins lost 2-1, to one, and that's unfortunate, but it is what it is. It's just, uh, you know, basically, you know, it's training camp, and it's a preseason game. And, um, you know, I thought the puck possession was really good in the first half of the game. It's like, yes. I'm like waiting for Keith Kincaid, who started, um, and he was a free agent signing over the uh, offseason, uh, to make a save. I mean, it just seemed like this uh, this Sandstrom or Sundstrom, whatever guy that was uh, in goal for the Philadelphia Flyers was pretty much taking all the, the TV time because the Bruins just kept the puck in, in the Flyers zone, uh, which was good to see. Um, so before I get into my thoughts on on the players that I thought that stood out, 
particularly. What are your thoughts on the game? And did you uh, were you able to watch last night? Yeah, I was able to watch the whole game, thankfully. But it's that's honestly that's the first thing that stood out to me. Um, and I don't know whether it's uh, a coaching style change or it's just the guys that were in the lineup. But the first half of the game, it Philly couldn't enter the zone. They couldn't enter the zone on a clear on a clear entry. Um, and when they did, the Bruins did a really good job keeping the puck to the outside and forcing Philly to move the puck either to the defenseman or back down the wall and wait for the open guy. And, it, and the open guy never came. Um, so I, I'm thinking that's, you know, that's that could be attributed to Jim Montgomery and the way he wants these guys to play. So that might be a little sneak peek on how we're gonna see this team play in the neutral zone and and in the defensive zone during the regular season. Which, if that's the case, I love that because if it works, um, it's gonna be real. It's gonna be a real tough time for teams to cleanly enter the zone and set up a play. Um, they're going to have to go through a couple guys in order to do that. Um, so they're going to have to work around that. But one guy I was looking at specifically to have a, a really strong game because he had a good couple of games in the prospect challenge was uh, Johnny Beecher. But he didn't really he he didn't stay, he didn't do anything last night that really stood out to me, unfortunately. And I was really looking at him to have a good game, but. He just, he, he just seems a little bit slow out there. It's almost like he was second-guessing himself on a couple plays. I think that just comes with being comfortable. I think with a little bit more time, maybe, maybe I mean, maybe next game he'll have a great game, and maybe it was just first game jitters where he's he, thinking a little bit too much, squeezing the stick a little bit too hard. Um, so I, you know, it's preseason. I haven't, like, given up on him or anything like that, you know. Preseason for a reason. Guys are getting ready for the year. Um, but I also noticed Fabian Lysel on the power play. Uh, the guys really tried to get the puck to him and have him be the setup guy. Um, he would be posted in the, in the lower corner of the offensive zone and he'd have the puck for a good five to 10 seconds, stick handling, doing whatever, looking for the open guy. Um, so him being all, not exactly the quarterback of the power play, but definitely one of the go-to guys on the power play that stuck out to me um i think with with more time in that position he's going to become more comfortable he's going to know where guys are likely to go with um the more experience that he has there oh jack Stanika. that's what i was that's what i was going to say so he he can't he can't catch a break. He had he had one opportunity where he was clearly in the slot, nobody around him, and he gets tripped. So granted he drew a penalty, that's great, but he missed the opportunity. Not blaming him, blaming, you know, the the him getting penalized. But that was one. Two, he scores a goal, but they take it away. So automatically he's back off the score sheet. Um but he looked okay out there. He he he's somebody who should be really standing out in these preseason games. I think he's twenty three or twenty four years old at this point. So theoretically, he should be one of the guys who's playing a little bit above everybody else. And I didn't see that either. Um. Oh, Jacob Zaboral. Boom. Jacob Zaboral was the number one standout player of that first preseason game. 
I mean, he was moving the puck so well. He was playing with so much confidence. Um, n- unlike Beecher, he wasn't second guessing anything. If he if he saw an open lane to skate, he took the puck and he skated. And everybody who was out there on the ice knew that he was going to go, so they let him have the lane. They found the spots that they were going to get to. One that one play that sticks out to me is um, he entered the offensive zone, and I believe he got tripped up. But he was on one knee, and he was able to slide that puck to Jack Steinika for a perfect chance. And the goalie made a good save. But for for a guy coming off of a uh, ACL injury last season to come in and play that first preseason game that well and that strongly and have the confidence in his own ability to create plays and uh, take up time in the offensive zone, it's a really good thing to see. And for people clamoring for him to make the opening night roster the showing that he did last night only supports their ideas more yeah yeah um well said on all all aspects of that analysis of last night's game uh several players in my opinion that i want to i really want to touch on is 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 jacob's borrel i don't want to pump his tires too much we want to talk about him later but yeah he was definitely one of the better bruins last night um, he didn't have any points on the scoreboard, but he had two shots on goal. Uh, but what really caught out for me for uh, Jakob and, and, and just basically getting back into like game style play after uh, he tore an ACL, as you mentioned, uh, in December of uh, 2021, um, he had 25.05 uh, time on ice. Uh, five minutes of, of that was, uh, was a power play time. So and and three minutes of that was uh, shorthanded. So he was really being put into multiple situations where he, he's getting more involved in all styles, all facets of the game, uh, which is encouraging. Uh, we heard um, um, Jim Montgomery talk earlier in the uh, off season about uh, how he is impressed with the way that Jacobs Borrell has been, or Jacobs Borrell, whatever you want to call him has worked out this off season after having uh, the ACL uh, tear and, um, and how valuable a player like that, who's, who's trying to cling on to a roster spot, particularly now with McAvoy and Grizzly being out of the lineup to start the year. Um, it should be interesting on how, uh, on how he uh, moves forward, but you know, it is preseason. We are going to pump tires a little bit. We understand that, you know, this wasn't a strong lineup at all and it wasn't the NHL lineup, but to see a guy, improve like this it's encouraging so uh, uh good on um good on Zaboral. um the, uh, forward fabian lysel for me he had zero points two shots on uh, on goal he played 14 minutes 29 seconds uh four minutes and 44 seconds of power play time nothing was on the shorthanded uh he didn't really blow me away in last night's game against the flyers but like you said they were getting the puck to him and they were giving him the puck in tight areas. He was basically working on the half wall and in the corners um, on the man advantage. And the Boston Bruins had the power play a lot yesterday, particularly in the first half. It almost seemed like the Flyers uh, buckled down a little bit on the on, on their penalty killing efforts and so on. But um, I like the way Fabian uh, is is reading the ice and, and showing the creativity, a couple sauce passes and so on. Those are the good solid steps that you wanna you wanna see a player like Fabian Lysel get. But I, I really want to see him uh hopefully get in the lineup in the next game, which is Tuesday night against the uh New York Rangers at 7 p.m. And I believe that one is on Nesson as well. Um 
but I want to see him get more involved, more shots on goal, get to the net. Uh, ultimately, all the, this, all these guys that are in this training camp, I want to see more finish. That seemed to be the biggest thing last night. Missed opportunities, you know, getting the puck and shooting over that, getting the puck and shooting it right in the goalie's chest. You're not finishing enough, and that's something that needs to be worked on. And this is a great time to do it. You know, get on the get on the tape, and 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 show these guys what they need to do to um, to get more uh, point production in the upcoming season. Because you know, if you're not going to be putting up you know, three or four goals a night with, with, with the, uh, the losses on the back end, it's going to be a tough, tough, uh, beginning of the year. Uh, Jack Ashan, uh, he had one shot on goal. He got a, a lot of time, 18, 21 time on ice and six minutes, even a power play time. I like the way Jack, his mobility. Uh, I like the way he surveys the ice along the blue line as he's going, uh, left to right. Um, laterally. And um, I like the way he gets down low behind the net and still surveys what's going on out front of the net for a pass or up the boards to a fellow defenseman or a forward that's covering on the other side. Um, I just like the way Jack moves around. He just, he, you know, his speed and creativity is something that this Boston Bruins need. Uh, and I understand that he's undersized and people hate that, but uh, you can't, you can't, you can't, hide the 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 way this guy works and 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 he just puts his head down and does what he's told and and it, it, if he goes down to the american hockey league it doesn't bother him i mean it might bother him and so on but he doesn't sulk it's always it's always an opportunity to get better down there and i just like the way he stepped into this boston bruins organization with that type of character and work ethic that's what you want to see from it doesn't matter if he's six five or freaking five ten you know i, I like seeing players do that um, Jakob Lauko, you know, he had the only goal of the game last night. Um, and he had four shots on goal. Um, but he's got a nice release. I want to see that more often. I don't want to see the rough and tough Jakob Lauko. Uh, you know, I like when p- players fight and they stick up for other teammates, but this is the type of, we have role players for that. I want to see Jakob Lauko take a better um, offensive production step forward this year. Really prove that he wants to be, that wants to stay in this Boston Bruins organization. Because uh, after this season, if I'm not mistaken, um, but let me look it up on the uh, Puckpedia. Yeah, this is the last year he's on the contract, so he's an RFA next summer. So I mean, this is a big evaluation year for him because they they could technically cut ties with him if they don't want to keep him i know he's got the rfa and so on and he could sign an extra year but um if he doesn't prove that he's he's you know going to be in the in the in the future mix of the nhl team then what's the point but uh, i think this is going to be a big year for him and i think that he needs to see it himself and stay healthy um but but just to wrap up uh my thoughts on on some of the players i do want to involve forward yuna kapanen i've been like really pumping his tires for the past couple of years saying that he's the type of player that could get a look at the NHL um, as a bottom, you know, 12 forward, like fourth liner, possibly a third liner if needed. Uh, he's a big kid, gritty. Um, he's not going to put a ton of pucks on net and so on, but he does those small impactful things that make coaches happy. Obviously uh, he was a fan favorite of Ryan Mujanel last year and so on, but he, he was really all over the place and got some really quality takeaways which I was really impressed by, by a player like him. That's like basically, you know, on, on the fringe of uh, going down to Providence or, or, or making the lineup. 
Uh, but he was he had 15 minutes and 31 seconds time on ice with one shot on goal. Uh, and the other one I thought was really uh, um, interesting, and I know he's probably not going to make the opening night lo- lineup, was uh, his lineup along with Una Campana was Vinny Letary. I thought Vinny mm-hmm. brought a very uh, physical game uh, last night. He didn't have any points. He had five shots on goal. He had 16-0-1 time on ice. And even he had a ton of power play time at five minutes and 44. So they're giving him looks at, at certain things. You know, I'm sure Ryan Mujanel was was watching somewhere else, um, maybe in Providence last night. And, uh, you know, because that's probably a player that's going to be down in the A this upcoming season. So um, I really like what that fourth line gave. It was it was a really good effort. And, and hopefully, you know, the third line can can step up the next game and, and, and obviously uh, ahead of everybody else as well and just kind of, you know, stop putting pucks on that, get the finishing going. And, um, you know, we get a long road before uh, October 12th when the Boston Bruins get back on the ice. So uh, I, I thought it was a good game. Um, you know, it's just it's preseason. We're not we're not dealing with regular uh, lineups here. People are trying to make the roster and so on. Uh, I will say I, I did like what I saw, saw from um, from uh, Greer. I want to yeah. call him Mike. I, I always want to call him Mike Greer. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I always, I mean, he, he got into fisticuffs, you know, and he was sticking up for a player that he thought uh, got taken liberties on. So, um, and he, he brought some physicality too. And he's a pretty fast player, believe it or not. I didn't know how yeah. fast he was. Yeah. That's yeah. He was really quick out there. I didn't expect that from him to be honest, but that's, I mean, that's basically all I got on last night's game. I just wanted to like pick out a couple of players and like, I kind of talk about what I saw, but um, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's good to, to get back to watching Boston Bruins on Nesson on TV. Um, I heard Jack Edwards mention last night that that is the only game of, excuse me, of the year. And it's a preseason game that is, they're not going to be on location. So mm-hmm. you, you remember the past couple of years and, and it's the oh. stupid pandemic, they were all doing it from, I believe the studio in Watertown. Yep. It was so, terrible. Yeah, and it's it's not great. You really want to be there to 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 call the game, you know, while you're above the ice and so on. And doing yeah. it from a studio is so is so tough to do. But it's good to have. Uh, it's good to hear that they'll be uh, doing uh, all 82 games um, next season. So it's nice to hear that pony uh, that uh, that uh, Nesson uh, ponied up the dollars to send these guys uh, some air airplane tickets to get them out and cover this action because uh, we need it as fans. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, you can you can easily tell the difference too when he's in the studio, because a, a guy like Jack Edwards feeds off the crowd. I feel like he just feeds off the energy of the crowd, and when he's in a studio, you can so tell that he's just kind of going through the motions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's move on to another topic uh, before we take our mid-show break and hear from Ben Online. Um, Bruins head coach Jim Montgomery said uh, in an interview last week that he could see a future, not right now, but obviously not now because McAvoy is injured, a future first pairing of Charlie McAvoy and Jakob Zboril, Jakob Zboril and Charlie McAvoy. What are your thoughts on that? I'm going to let you go first on this one. You can you can uh, talk my ear off like I did <laughs> for you so many times. Basically, I mean, Jacob Zboril. If I, I think he was ready for a, a top four, maybe top six role last year before he got hurt. He was playing so well before he got hurt. And I think him with McAvoy, if if what we saw during the preseason 
if if, uh, if he can play that way consistently, he's going to fit in really, really well. And he's going to be a piece that the Bruins were kind of missing. I mean, if he plays that way, I, I think personally he's already better than Connor Clifton. Um, I know Clifton has speed and he can move the puck well, but sometimes his defensive mistakes just leaves me shaking my head. You know, like, what are you doing? But Zaboral seems to be more of a steady player, both offensively and defensively. And he's, I, if I'm not mistaken, he's a little bit bigger than Clifton and heavier as well. So, I mean, that just makes our, our defensive depth stronger, heavier, thicker. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I would love to see him in a top four role, especially, too, considering he was drafted in... 2015 maybe it'll get people to kind of stop talking about that so much because that conversation can only go on for so long if we get if we get a solid year from Jacobs Borough a solid year from Jake DeBrusque and I know that Seneshin pick is just out the window that's that is what it is you can't control that but Zaborl and DeBrusque are two solid picks and if people can finally see a full season from Jacobs Borough and what he can bring to a team I think people will bring up 2015 less and that's you know it, it is what it is he's a good player he just hasn't been able to get a healthy season in yet and once he does i think people are going to realize that we have a real good top four defenseman on our hands yeah i've been i've been a big Zavoro fan since he was playing in the uh quebec major junior hockey league with the uh, st john sea dogs uh, and I know the whole Thomas Shabbat thing in 2015. It's just it is annoying, but people love to love to relive the past and so on. But yeah, especially um, here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you, you know, it's it's. I was really amazed last season when Bruce Cassidy was here, and he was doing all those mismatches with the defensive pairings, and not once did he put McAvoy and Zaboral together at all. And yeah. and dating back to when Kevin basically, you know. Um, joined the uh, black and gold hockey podcast in February of this year. We were, we've been talking about that. And, and, and even this off season, I think even we talked about it with you uh, on your last appearance on, on, we want to see that. And I'm dying to, I just want to see it once, you yeah. know, because I, I think it's going to be a beneficial thing for Charlie McAvoy to have somebody like um, Jacob on, on his side. And I know it's new and there's not a lot of, you know, uh, chemistry there but they can be that can be a very valuable line because both have uh, means of maneuverability out out of the zone you know the zone exits could be really good i think that defensively uh jacob is is more mature in my opinion and i understand that he hasn't been playing a ton of nhl time to 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 create that maturity that i'm trying to speak of but i think that the way where he is right now as a um let me see. Uh, I can look at the defenseman. Um, oh, actually, no, he's up on the on the main. So he's a 25 year old uh, player. I think that he's just he's upping his game because this is a big evaluation year for him because uh, he's signed for uh, two years. So next season and the year after he signed and then he goes to UFA. So these next two seasons, I'm sorry about my mistake on the one year. Um, a huge evaluations uh, for him, uh, for the Bruins brass to really gauge on his future and so on. So, and but if he can gain, if he can really be that player that we saw last year, and obviously, 
you know, not taking away that it's a preseason game in last night, but he was the best player on the ice for the Boston Bruins. Th- those are good things to think about moving forward. He's just got to put it all together. You know, that's that's the main thing. And stay healthy, of course, like you mentioned. But I just I like his versatility. Um, I, I like the way that he can be placed on on anywhere in the top on the sixth defenseman. He can he can be a third pairing guy, second pairing guy, you know. Um, I know that the sexy thing is to go McAvoy and Lindholm because those are your two best defensemen. But some, somewhere deep down inside, I have a feeling that Jakob could play so well that he's going to force uh, co- head coach Jim Montgomery to like put him up there just at least to try it and maybe even ride it for a little while. That would create an opportunity. And I'm not saying this is a downgrade at all to a, 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 a defenseman like Hampus Lindholm. But I kind of think that Brendan Carlo needs a Hampus Lindholm on his yeah, side. Yeah, he does. You know yes, what I mean? Does. Oh, yeah. And I and I get that a lot of people don't like Brandon Carlo because I'm I I cannot play defense, and I would love to see some of these frigging keyboard warriors do the same. You yeah. know, when they're talking about Carlo, and I'm not a Carlo fan, but I'm not going to trash the guy either. He's out there doing a job, something that I can't do, so I'm not going to talk bad, but. He does make defensive mistakes a lot, you know what I mean? He, and turnovers yeah. and so on. And I really wish he would use that body. He is a big kid, and I really wish he would use that frame. But also, I want to just want to mention before you uh, get going here, Mike, is the fact is that a guy like Lindholm on his side could be a savior for Carlo and, and for Carlo to play better and know – uh, gap control, better uh, man-on-man positioning, or in better zone defense from playing with a guy like that that's been in the league for a while and and is one of the top NHL defensemen. So, those are just my thoughts on on um, on that. Uh, why don't you go for it before we hit our uh, mid-show sponsor? Yeah, I mean, like you said with Carlo, he he, it's so infuriating is not the right word because I'm never infuriated with Brandon Carlo. Um, but frustrated would probably be the word that I find myself stuck on because he's six foot six, two, almost 220 pounds, but you, you rarely ever see him throw the body or really get into somebody's way where it slows them down. And it's something, and he'll get beat like on the outside, but just by somebody, you know, using their edges or skating a little bit faster. And he tends to always go for like a poke check or just some kind of sick play and it's like no man you're you're six foot six you probably outweigh this guy by 20 pounds put your body in front of him slow him down and and knock him off the puck too many times i see him reaching with the stick and trying to free that puck up where he could easily be physical with a guy and throw his shoulder into him or or throw his hip into him and just kind of knock him off his edge and and send him on his way but i do agree i think i think i i think carlo and lindholm would be a very good pair and i especially like breaking up mark um not mark uh breaking up mcavoy and lindholm into two separate pairings because not only does that give you flexibility but that gives you depth in your defensive pairings where now you've got i mean on on most teams hampus lindholm is probably a number one guy but you slide him down to that second spot, and now you got McAvoy on the first with a guy like Jacobs Borrell, and then you've got Brandon Carlo with a guy like Hampus Lindholm. 
and that just strengthens your defensive depth so much. You've got you've got two excellent defensemen in McAvoy and Lindholm on the ice at different times instead of being a powerhouse pairing where they're on at the same time and then you suck with like I don't know a Carlo and a Grizzly when he's healthy or or uh Mike Mike Riley and Derek Forbert. Instead of having one solid line, you have two out of three that are very reliable. And then that third is going to be more reliable too because you don't have to lean on them as much because you have those two pairings that you can you know that you can rely on night in yeah. and night out. Absolutely. And like like you mentioned, you know, the before we take that mid shield break, let me ask you a quick question because this is yeah. all this is all relative. Are you comfortable with a Derek Forbert, Mike Riley, and a Connor Clifton uh, on the third pair? I think Derek Forbert gets too much hate. I think he's a I honestly, in my opinion, I think he's a very good third pairing defenseman. You know, he'll block shots. He'll throw his body around. He won't play top minutes. He'll maybe put up somewhere between like 12 and 16 minutes a night. And he's he's never really a defensive liability out there. He plays his position well. Now, Connor Clifton, I'm not the biggest fan of Connor Clifton personally. I think I know he's an undersized guy, which is fine. Because, you know, we've seen guys like Tori Krug explode as an undersized guy, putting any weight on my on my thought process here. Um, but it's just Connor Clifton, when he gets beat, it's very rare that he gets back to make the play to recover from when he gets beat. And I think that's because of his sometimes questionable defensive decision making. I know he's trying to force the puck up, but sometimes that hurts him. I would honestly be more comfortable with Forbert and Riley. Um, I'd rather have Clifton be the odd man out on that one, which stinks because I do like Clifton. It's just sometimes he just doesn't it, he doesn't look like he should be out there sometimes. Yeah, he looks like a opinion. seven eight. Yeah, ex- I yes. don't mean to interrupt you, but that he looks. I mean, Clifton to me is more like the seven eight guy. But what I like, what I didn't like about um, Bruce Cassidy last season was he never put Derek Forbert, who can play the right side, on the right side of the right. of any defensive pairing, I don't believe. So I kind of think that him and Mike Riley could work well on that third and have Clifton coming in uh, as a rotation uh, to, you know, give a guy a rest on a, on a you know, uh, back-to-back, you know. Uh, so. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Yeah, so, uh, we, we could talk about that uh, a little bit later on, but we do have to hear from our show sponsor, betonline.ag. Football is back, and BetOnline.ag remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. Uh, You'll always find the latest football odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline.ag. And your continued source for all your sports wagering information, BetOnline.ag features live betting, free contests, and live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fast and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events. Um, bet on Major League Baseball, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag and join to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use our promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Betonline.ag, it's where the game starts. 
All right. We just heard from betonline.ag. And if you want to get in any of your NHL or Boston Bruins futures, like um, will Patrice Bergeron have 50 points this upcoming season? Will Pasternak score 60 goals? Will Jeremy Swayman have 30 shutouts? Who knows? This is all something that you can get in on. And you can get in on the daily uh, betting on NHL games as well. You know, you could pick the uh, the winner, the money line. You could parlay. Parlays are fun. Those are my favorite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, because yeah, I always want to parlay something. Like, I want only want to spend $10 in a parlay, but I want that $5,500. <laughs> so, so, you know, obviously uh, bet responsibly, but it's a lot of fun. But betonline.ag has been our sponsor here for a long time. We, we were looking forward to another contracted season with them. So that's really badass. But if you want to go to a safe and reputable uh, betting website, betonline.ag has been around for 25 years and it's my go-to. So, you know, we're, we're glad to have them around. Do you have anything else you want to touch up on the uh, on the defense uh, before we move on to the next uh, topic? Uh, not really. I think we touched on everything. To, kind of a weird topic we're going to talk about right here. It's, it's basically just our thoughts on uh, a player like a prospect like Fabian Lysel uh, working alongside future Hall of Famer Patrice Bergeron during this uh, 2022 NHL training camp. And what I really wanted to gravitate to when we're talking about this topic was what Jim Montgomery, the new head coach of the Boston Bruins, mentioned in an interview um, saying that it's important to match your younger players up with seasoned veterans. Now, we talked about this in the pre-show. I was We were talking about the, uh, the show agenda and how we're going to uh, construct it. And uh, I mentioned to you that I was really impressed with uh, what Montgomery said there. And thinking back, because I'm an old man, I've been around for a long time. Traditionally, head coaches, they bring in younger players, even during preseasons, and they, they stick them on the hardest lines, in my opinion. Um, and, and they expect to get results out of that and then climb the lineup um, fittingly as the, um, you know, the NHL training camp continues and preseason games, uh, the schedule goes on. But I like the way that Jim Montgomery approached this and said that, you know, basically, and I'm paraphrasing here, um, that you want to put these players in the best situations you can. Not only are they going to get more creative with with um, world-class players like Patrice Bergeron and, and so on, but also you're also basically like feeding the need to like get better and 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 do what's needed to to, uh, you know, to really try to fight every game to get noticed and stay in the lineup. And I think that you don't, you don't really do that in a fourth line role when you're just trying to bang bodies around. I don't think in a fourth line role, you're going to get opportunities to get to the net and, and, and score, you know, create creatively. I think that when you're in those areas, it's, it's so much harder to do those things when you don't have the world-class players on either side of you or up the middle and so on. So um, what are your thoughts on the way a player like Fabian Lysel has been inserted into the lineup alongside uh, some uh, superior players like Patrice Bergeron? I don't think there's anybody in the league better to learn from than Patrice Bergeron. If Lysel is going to, I, th I think Lysel as a whole is going to act like a sponge. He's just going to take everything that he can learn everything um notice the little things that they do because obviously you know 
the big things are easier to realize, like, you know, where to go in these certain plays, uh, how to position yourself well for an opportunity, stuff like that, how to act, uh, you know, as a professional in the, um, in the NHL. But the little things that he can learn from guys like Patrice Bergeron, especially a guy like Bergeron, is the defensive aspect of the game as a forward. Bergeron is arguably the best defensive forward that the NHL has ever seen. Maybe not the best, but absolutely one of the best. And for Fabian Lysel, a guy who we already know has offensive prowess in his shot, in his in his playmaking ability, in in his skating game. All of those are phenomenal attributes to have, but if you're playing alongside a guy like Patrice Bergeron, you better be paying attention to the little aspects that help win games like defensive zone coverage, um, man-on-man coverage, where to position yourself in the defensive end in order to break up a play and then go down into the offensive zone and turn that into you know, a goal, an opportunity, a chance, uh, offensive zone time. That's what I'm hoping Lysel can learn the most from Bergeron because, like I said, the offensive game for Lysel is there. It's it's about him transitioning that into the NHL. But, um, got, like, I, I don't want to bring in another guy, but it's 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 uh, it's kind of like a Georgie Merkulov whose offensive game is there, but the thing that's been criticized the most is his defensive game. So if Lysel can avoid that and, and notice the little things that um, he can learn from Bergeron, like the defensive aspect of the game, then I think it's phenomenal. And instead of sticking him on a random line with guys like, I don't know, uh, like, like a Charlie Coyle or whatever. No sick. No sick. Yeah. Like no sick. <laughs> uh, he's going to learn way more with Bergeron. Yeah, no, I totally agree. You know, and Patrice Bergeron isn't a five-time Selkie Award winner for nothing. The guy, you know, he didn't win five to, uh, by not back-checking. He didn't win five <laughs> for not having a a good game away from the puck. And that's one of the biggest things for me is I want to see Fabian take a bigger step in is, is his game uh, away from the puck. Uh, we know the talent that he can do with the puck. He's got speed and so on. And as he's, you know... From what I've noticed, um, and I know it's not game time and it's not his first professional games yet, but what I've noticed from last season in the early part, uh, it seemed to me his feet were a little too fast for his hands. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but as as that year in, in the uh, WHL with the Vancouver Giants progressed, you could see he was getting better by that. Obviously, he didn't go to development camp this year, which was which was kind of a – uh, a drag for us me- uh, media members who were at the Warrior Ice Arena along with you and so on for interview purposes and and to get, you know, a good character feel from the guy. Um, you know, I think that that part of the game is slowly coming along. Now, I'm not even sure what's going to happen, but there's, there's, uh, there is a possibility that Fabian can go back to the uh, Vancouver Giants. Um, and the Vancouver Giants, I don't remember his his name, I should have put it in the notes. That's my bad. But the general manager of the WHL Giants said that they will make a roster move if Fabian needs to come back. But they he even seems to think if he comes back because, you know, they will make that. I, I He's still an import and so on. So they would have to get rid of an import that they already have. But they're, they're 
they're ready to do so. I kind of feel that Fabian might be ready for the American Hockey League. I think that he would work well with uh, head coach uh, Ryan Mujanel, uh assistant coach uh, Trent Whitfield, and, uh, and Matt Thomas down there. And I think that's where he should be uh, moving forward uh, because you send them back to the WHL, you're going to get, you know, there's mixed sizes and so on, but there's a lot of guys in the, in the dub that are at the 160, 170, 180 range, kind of sort of around his his weight and, and sometimes his height. Um, but in the American Hockey League, you're, you you have a mixed bag of veterans that have been around that are going to lean on you hard, and they're going to go after a player like that. Those are the types of things that the Boston Bruins wanted to see when he went to the dub. Because in my opinion, the Western Hockey League is by far the hardest league to play in. I think the Ontario Hockey League is is probably and the Quebec um, uh, Major Junior Hockey League is probably the two more creative offensive you know what i mean yeah they're more skill based exactly and and the dub is basically in your face when you get the puck you better watch out you know but those are the types of things a younger player a development player in my opinion need to learn and so on and i think what fabian lysel got out of vancouver last year was just great development moving forward and um you know i'm pretty sure he's going to be thanking a lot of people for making that decision to go there um but I, I think Providence is going to be a, a really good thing for him. I could see him, Beecher, and friggin' Merkulov being a line. And, and trust me, if I could put the jizz pick up here from, um, <laughs> from, uh, from South Park on, on the computer, the old man, <laughs> that would be me. Uh, but anyway, yeah, exactly. Like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you know, not to get too disgusting here. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of good things that we're seeing. But I still want to be patient on a player like Fabian Lysol. I I'm I'm not the type of player. I'm not the type of, of fan or or writer or you know a, a podcaster that has been you know penciling him into the NHL lineup as as we move forward. I think that he's got a lot to learn, I, and I honestly think a full year would benefit him, much like it did with with a, a player like Jake DeBrusque. I don't think Jake DeBrusque, and I've said this several times. I know I'm repeating myself, folks, but I don't think Jake DeBrusque would have that uh, that 27 goal season if he didn't participate in the American Hockey League the year prior. I think that the systems are really taught there and so on. And it and it's they don't call it the always hungry league for nothing. You're always working harder than than the next guy or you you're just going 120% just to get the taste of the NHL and I think that that's needed and and it would just benefit the player and his development in the organization moving forward, you know. And again, we talked about this several times. And you also won't burn a year if you go past that nine game threshold, you know, because if you look at cap friendly right now, and I'm not going to go breaking all down the, the, the brackets and everything of who's who needs to go and, and so on. But, you know, Lysel's on a three-year entry level deal. You take one year away from that. Now everything gets a little compressed more because now we're looking at players. You've seen the off season lately, you know, like Stutzel and in, in, in Ottawa and, and the guy Tage Thompson and so on. These guys are just getting into the league, basically. They're so green, and bam, $8 million. Bam, $7 million. So I kind of think that a guy like Fabian Lysel, if he excels down in Providence on an entry-level contract, which he's currently under, and then gets into the Boston Bruins organization and really excels there with more trust, more experience, and so on, he could be that type of player that's going to garner a seven or eight million dollar deal right out of his entry level contract. 
So are the Boston Bruins going to be prepared for that two years ahead of schedule? I would rather see them go the full three, and then we'll work on that when the cap is is good. Patrice Bergeron's probably not going to be here. You don't have to pay him. Krejci, not going to be here. You don't have to pay him. And so on. We have the flexibility and cap space to give to a guy like uh, Fabian Lysol and not be that Chicago Blackhawks, paraphrase, you know, um, uh, air quotes, um, type of team that is just getting rid of players like Anthony Pernarin, you know, yeah. Tara Tara Vinen, because the they're, they, yeah, because they're so cap strapped and so on, because they went so hard and heavy on, on Taves and Kane with their 10 freaking million dollars, you know. Yeah. They just sprinkle in talent around the league, like Cam Neely once said back in the day. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, we don't want to be that type of team, especially with a guy like Fabian Lysol. We can be that competitive organization that's always going to be up against the cap because that's what we do. That's what playoff teams do all the time. But it's also a very fine line when you need to keep players and and so on. But I uh, enough of my rambling. I, I just want to see him uh, do the development properly. And I think Providence is the best route for him. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. So it's it's nine games where that first year is burnt. So it's nine games where that first year is burnt. Does that include playoffs or is that just regular season? No, I think all that's a wash in the playoffs because okay. you you get the black aces. So even players right. on entry level deals, like last year, uh, Jackson Nika was a black. Uh, he was under an ELC. And he was a black ace, so he can come up. And there's no obviously there's no salary cap. But I, 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 I might be wrong. There might be a salary cap during the the uh, playoffs this year because of what happened last year with the um, or the year before with the Tampa Bay Lightning and, and the Kucherov thing. So, okay, I think well, I read something about that. Yeah, it, it would make sense if it if it was that way. But I I agree. I do think. Um, because a lot of people are saying, you know, bring bring Lysel into the fold right away. But shiny people, new toy folk. Right, right. And people who who don't really understand is it's like you said, we're already up against the cap. Why burn a year off of this guy's contract when you can get three full seasons of him at league minimum and you can spend that money elsewhere instead of having two years and a little bit of one year? Um, I think he starts the year in Providence. I mean, if he pushes himself out of Providence, if he's really playing that well, where he has earned a spot in the Boston Bruins uh, roster, then we can have that conversation. But if we're talking about it right now, the way that it is, you start him in Providence. And if the Bruins are struggling to score offensively, if they're struggling to produce offensively, and he's killing it in Providence. I think maybe then you can have a discussion, but I think you do everything you can to avoid burning one year off his contract in a year where you really don't want to burn it. You let him develop in Providence. You let him get used to that professional hockey skill level, how to work his game and how to get it to be successful um, in Providence. And then, who knows? Maybe it's a Tyler Sagan situation where not not saying that Lysel is Sagan in any way, but maybe it's a Tyler Sagan situation where he comes up late in the year and he helps uh, boost that offensive production in a playoff run. If we can, you know, make playoffs, I don't want to jinx anything, but um, if, you know, who knows? You could be that boost 
later on into the season that that uh maybe this team will need so but yes start in providence don't start in boston um you have plenty of guys who can fill those bottom six roles you you don't you don't burn a year of his contract for him to play third line fourth line in game one of an 82 game schedule yeah and and actually looking at freaking um at cap friendly right now I might have made a mistake on Lysel and when I was thinking about um, that that burnt year because um, Alan Walsh came out in a, with a tweet. I think it was last month or early this early September this month, and he mentioned something about the salary caps going up a million dollars this season. It's going up a million dollars next season, but then either it was two thousand twenty four or twenty five or twenty five and twenty six. That's when it's going to take the big jump. So if if Lysel plays more than nine games this season and burns a year, I don't think we'll be in that time frame where that big jump goes up. But if he stays full three years, I think he'll be involved where that it could possibly go to eight to ten million dollars. Can you believe that in almost That's three years? Lot. That's a lot of money. Well, uh, I don't know if you've been if you've been reading much about it. I have, and I'm not I'm not you know full fully versed in all of it, but I like taking you know eye notes and so on. Is that the everything is getting paid back faster than they originally thought? So they actually thought it was going to be a flat cap for the next five years because of the pandemic and so on. Right. So yeah. that money is all getting paid back at a, at a super excessive rate. So now they're saying, Jesus, you know. We could we could we could do a million next year and 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 still be comfortable with our money and then all of a sudden bam the, a year or two after that we go we can go up and and I think that would be real beneficial to, especially to teams like the Boston Bruins oh, yeah. you know but they'll the, the, if you want to be competitive you're going to use that money as soon as possible you're going to go right up against the ceiling because that's what people do but what's that going to do for the teams that are still because if the ceiling's going up ten million dollars. The floor has got to go up too. So what right. are the teams like the Arizona Coyotes going to do when they're constantly looking for dead dead contracts of players that will never step on the ice for a year or two and, and then taking their deals just to get to the ceiling? What's that going to do to them, especially in a year or the next couple of years when they're going to be playing in an NCAA arena? <laughs> I know. I just mean, moved okay. to Houston by now. Jesus, just I, go to Houston. Seriously, seriously. I will say though, from a marketing standpoint, and I don't, I like, I, I won't touch on this for too long. But like, from a marketing standpoint, I'm probably going to be tuning into that first Arizona game just because I want to see what that's going to look like. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I do too because, um, yeah, Arizona has got some extremely hot, hot. Uh, hotness out there and that's not oh, i'm yeah. not to, i'm not just talking about the heat or the dry heat <laughs> or whatever whatever yeah. the snowbirds are, are really attracted to down there but anyway <laughs> you know it, it's yeah it should be interesting you know but um you know believe it or not i i, I don't want to you know go far into this and, and and you know not talk bruins much longer but we do yeah. have another topic i want to touch on but like what arizona is doing and I understand it's a business and it's not good business for them, but they want to continue to play NHL games and they're making it work with a small arena. Is that the type of thing that you're going to see in the American hockey league a lot more, in my opinion, 
Um, I've talked to Patrick Williams, who writes for NHL.com, and he writes for the American Hockey League. Uh, he covers all teams. He just picks up a story and runs with it. He's a fantastic writer. Give him a, a follow at uh, Patrick Williams on Twitter. But I remember ha- having a conversation with him and him saying that the you know only 12 uh, NHL franchises actually own their American Hockey League teams. The rest are all independent and they're struggling. So like like the uh, the Providence Bruins are not owned by the Boston Bruins. That is a private organization, and the the owner of the Providence Bruins rents the uh, former Dunk, now Amica Pavilion uh, Center. He rents that arena for games and does concessions and so on. Rene Renfro, he owns uh, Marlboro Ice Arena or Ice Center or whatever they uh, – New England Sports Center. Yeah, I was going to say because he lives right down the street from me. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he – so – and he's private, you know. But I kind of think that I'm not saying this is going to happen in Providence. Please don't take this. I wrote an article about it and I got freaking swamped about it. But anyway, I just seem to think that um, American Hockey League franchises that want to save money and so on are going to want to go to smaller arenas where your arena might only seat uh, 3,500 to 5,000 seats, but also look much fuller than the dunk or the Amica will next season, because there's a lot of fans that show up to Providence Bruins games, but I have honestly never seen a sold out. Never. Since I've covered, since I've been a media member and that's several years now, I've, I have not seen it sold out completely. They say, I mean, season ticket sales are always counted numbers. You know, that's a seat taken. It doesn't matter if you're there or not. It's, it's paid for and it's counted for, but I, I, I don't know. There's a lot of diehard fans that go to Providence games and, you know, the, the building gets loud and proud, but I've never seen it absolutely full. And I think that the American hockey league would benefit from that. Um, yeah. I think honestly, it's funny you say that because and I won't spend too much time on it, but I, I live where the new England sports center is. So I, I I'm there all the time. Uh, I see what's going on every, literally every single day. And a couple of years ago, they cleared out, a huge area of brush that, that was yeah. in my that was in my article it, it was yeah yeah, so, yeah. i, I, so I went to google about. i went to google earth and i was just like huh that's yeah. that's a good size area for hmm hmm that, and that's and what they a, were yeah another arena and they weren't even using it for parking right and you know what the problem is so okay so th- i'm i'm 99 sure because i've talked to him before but they were thinking about moving the providence bruins arena to that area that they cleared out. See, and, I wrote an article about it. And I got shit yeah, on. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true because I'm, I mean, I literally see them working on it every day until they stopped. But the the main problem with that whole uh, situation is there is a single family house on the border of where they want to build the the rink, and the guy won't sell the land. He's been offered so much money and he just will not sell. He wants to stay there. So it's it's thrown off the entire thing. Interesting. Yeah. So that's a little insider scoop right there from Marlborough, Massachusetts. <laughs> All right. I don't have to go to freaking Google Earth anymore to find out my information. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I, I wrote an article about the idea of of um an owner like Renee and um and how he could save money by not renting. I mean, he owns one of the biggest freaking sports complexes in around New England, 
yeah. fam- famous for tournaments and so on. The, the, the attraction's already there. Um, you know, it's much like what's going to happen up here in Amesbury, Massachusetts with the uh, new Amesbury Maples Crossing facility. You know, you have logistics, you have 95, you have 495, you have Boston, you have Manchester, you have Portland for airports, for tournaments to really thrive in this area. And that's what Rene Renfro did for business uh, with with the uh, the Marlboro facility. And if he doesn't want to pay the Amica uh, insurance moving forward, he could definitely build his own thing down there, make a 5,000 seat facility and and move the Providence Bruins because the Providence Bruins don't have a lease on where they play. They have the, uh, an agreement with the Boston Bruins. And I think it was a, I think it was a 25 year or, or they might've extended it to a 10 year. So, I mean, they could, they could go to Portland, Maine, Manchester, New Hampshire, and so on and still be affiliated with the Boston Bruins. So. Yeah. Yeah. It would definitely work here because I think Marlboro is connected to every major highway in massachusetts um and they definitely have the space in the in the uh like the amenities to hold people like that so you got the hotels you have that whole strip that basically he owns alongside the highway he could build another hotel if he needed to so i mean my article was basically written on the on the notion of what could happen I never right, said right. it would happen. And I think that's where I got criticized. And actually yeah. that article after that made me nervous because the following <laughs> year, the following year when I went to apply for my, uh, my credentials and actually show up to the dunk, I thought I was going to get spoken to. Really? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah. let's hear from uh, uh, Bruce Sullivan from Boston sports and music memorabilia. He's got some fantastic stuff to spice it up that fan cave. Um, and you need it. Cause I see it all the time. Um, and uh, he's been uh, dealing with us for a couple of years now, and he uh, gives us, not gives us, but we buy all of our jerseys for our Patreon giveaway. We're going to be giving a jersey away every month for the rest of the year and so on, thankfully, of you, the Patreon uh, supporters who um, you know, graciously donate $1 per episode to, uh, to get into a drawing every month, and we're giving away a a prize pack. I'll talk about it before we end the program tonight, but uh, let's hear some Bruce and we'll talk about one more topic on the other side. And it's in got to do with the fourth line center and who could be there in uh, mid October. So we'll, we'll be right back. Hello, Bruins fans. This is Bruce from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia with our Black and Gold Memorabilia Moment of the Week. On October 7th, we are hosting a signing with number 24, Big Bad Bruin legend Terry O'Reilly. We are accepting send-ins. $24 for flats and pucks, $34 for premium items. We will also have jerseys for just $79, pucks for $34, and photos for $29. Later in October, we welcome back legend Andy Moog, and in November, we welcome Sean Thornton and Adam McQuaid. Stay tuned for more details on all of our upcoming Bruins signings. To learn more about our dozens of hand-signed pieces and your chance to win free memorabilia each week, check us out at our Facebook page, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, or email us directly at bostonsportsandmusic at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in each week right here, to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Let's go! (laughs) 
Hey, Bruins fans, we're back. We just heard from Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. And um, we want to thank him for everything that he does and and, and honestly um, say thanks for renewing another contract with him for the upcoming season. So he's your go-to guy for all your uh, Boston Bruins hand-signed uh, and authenticated items, all done with Ray Bork and, and Jerry Cheevers and Terry O'Reilly and Don Marcotte, all present and videos and film is taken so it's actual real stuff nobody he doesn't screw anybody around because i won't deal with somebody like that you know i want to have full trust in where my money goes but not only that your money if you happen to be a patreon subscriber so we'll talk about that later on but i do want to touch on one subject that could probably take a little bit right up to the end of the show um and that's thomas nosek and i i just want to kind of start off on on where I'm, where I'm going with this, this, this uh, last remaining topic of the uh, episode 298, um, and I want to thank you, Mike, for your time today. I really appreciate you covering for uh, for Mr. Uh, Kevin O'Keefe as he uh, is a little sick this uh, this weekend. Yeah, of course. But uh, Thomas Nosek, I, I really got to say, um, I didn't see a lot last season. I, I when he first got here, I was kind of excited because just reading about his past and, and how we get to the, the NHL and particularly how he was picked in the, um, in the expansion draft um, from the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. He was, he was a member of the uh, Detroit Red Wings and he was playing in Grand Rapids and that's where uh, Vegas got him. They, they didn't get him as an NHL player he was with an NHL organization, but he has spent a major amount of time in, uh, in Grand Rapids. So his story to the NHL and, and getting a chance with the Vegas Golden Knights was kind of huge. And I thought that, wow, we really might have something here, but unfortunately it's just things didn't work out. It happens. Some players thrive here. Some players, you know, they, they don't make it as far. So um, I really didn't see much of, of uh, no sick last year, particularly in the at the end of the year and in playoffs and so on. And if he was injured, I'm sorry if I missed it, but um, you know, and then this, and I know it's preseason and I know I'm probably going to get hammered for it, but still it's just, I saw just a lot of the things that I saw in the last regular season was a lot of gliding around. And I know that he, the center traditionally plays that type of Rover, kind of you know position that they you know you do go in the corners you do float in the middle and you you know you kind of move all around east west north and south um but i'm i'm not seeing a lot of the passion that i need to get to the net in his position and and kind of uh, create that extra body that can get down low and and help out offensively when it when it comes to scoring goals in tight um but is he going to be on the hot seat? I mean, obviously, everybody is under evaluation right now. We do need to shed some cap space with $2 million, $2.2 million over the cap. So if if Thomas Noshik could possibly be moved or I don't know if I don't know if you can buy anybody out now. I'm probably reaching right now anyway with that idea. Um, or is Providence uh, an option just to free up the roster spot and maybe a little bit of that cap? Because uh, he is making $1 million this season. I don't know if you're going to be saving a ton if he goes on to Providence. But um, but we talked about John Beecher earlier so many times. And, and I think like two different segments of, of the agenda earlier, Mike. But as a player like John Beecher and what we've seen, you as a media member at, at the Warrior Ice Arena uh, talking to him and other members of the, of the uh, 
the uh, the prospects that were at development camp and and rookie camp and and the prospects challenge in Buffalo not too long ago last weekend. Is John Beachier really pushing a guy like Thomas Nosek out of his position? I think uh, the 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 cap reasons is probably the number one, right? You you need to clear up cap no matter what. Um, in the off season, I believe you're allowed to be ten percent. Ten percent, yeah. Okay, yep. so it's ten percent over the cap. So they're going to have to move somebody. Somebody's getting moved. I think that Beecher could honestly take no sex spot because he brings that that energy that he, that a younger guy will bring to the game, right? Maybe his skill level isn't there 100% yet, but you might be able to kind of work with that in the beginning of the year and and coach him and teach him um, the proper ways to play at the NHL level. Because one thing we have heard constantly with, with Jim Montgomery is that he wants and he's willing to take the younger guys on this team and teach them the NHL way, which is far and above what we had with Bruce Cassidy. And I think that Beecher is somebody who's going to benefit from that maybe the most. Um, with guys that we're going to have to move. Thomas Nosek is a guy that you would be willing to move. Guys like Nick Felino, I don't think anyone would take him, but guys like that you're willing to move. And I think Beecher is probably the number one guy in, on the roster who's going to fill that spot. And with his size alone and his skill level, I think he's going to be – he's not going to come in and, and light up the, the score sheet. That's not who he is. I compared him to a almost Charlie Coyle type like player, which is perfect. I think that's what you need for bottom six. Um, but I can totally see him taking Thomas Nosek's spot. Tom- Thomas Nosek doesn't he? He's a good player, but he doesn't really bring too much to to the roster. I mean, he's there. He he makes good plays, but at the end of the day, he's not really that much better than a Johnny Beecher if I'm being 100% honest like yeah. he, he definitely has the experience he has more experience than Johnny Beecher I mean anybody who's played at the NHL level has more experience than Johnny Beecher yeah. but but at, at, during this time if you're looking to develop those younger guys and you're looking for them to get the experience in the league this is a perfect opportunity for him if you you're looking to shed cap anyways shed it out of no sec you have Johnny Beecher who can slide right in and like I said, he's not going Im- to make a huge impact right away. But that's something that you're going to have to sacrifice in order for him to become a player that you re- you can rely on and a player that you, you can rely on to be producing offensively or just playing structurally sound defense when he's in the zone. That's what you're going to have to do. And I feel sometimes, you know, fans want immediate results. They want... Oh, this guy's in the lineup now. Okay, boom, thirty points, forty points. Yeah. That's just that's just not how it works. You have to be patient, and you have to let him learn the game. And the way that you learn the game is by inserting him into the lineup on a consistent basis, where he's playing consistently, and he's able to learn from his mistakes. It's it's not going to help if he's in for three games and then he's benched for ten. Yep. Or what, whatever it be. 
You need to have him in there consistently. Like it's it's not a video game. Well, real life is not a video game. You have to let these guys get into the lineup and have a, a stretch of bad games. It's gonna happen. That's how players get to where they are. Like, do you think Bergeron came in the league immediately and was just an instantaneous selkie winning face-off champion player? No, 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 no. He went to the AHL for a year. Yes, exactly. And 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 people just well, he was forced actually. Yeah, that, that but, was the lockout year. Yeah, but it, yeah, there you go. But he definitely he took that time and he learned. Yeah. So that's what people have to understand. It nothing comes instantaneously. He's gonna have bad games. He's gonna have bad plays that lead to a goal against. It's it's gonna happen. It's just the way that it naturally happens. Yep. And it's just, I mean, long story short, yes, I could see I could see John Beecher taking a uh, Thomas Nosek spot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything that I said about Nosek, it just seems like, and I know it's a small sample size, and I'm using bits and pieces of like development camps and and tournaments and so on to gauge a player's kind of future. Um, but I see a lot of what Thomas Nosek's not doing, and I see a lot of John Beecher, and he is doing. So he's doing those things, and I know. Um, you know, he's a, a U.S. kid from the U.S. developmental program. I know um, Jim Montgomery is the same, you know, and, and he's been talking a lot about John Beecher. And, and you know, if if anything, and this was this was actually said by Montgomery, if anything, they want to put Beecher at his strongest position, and that's in the center. They really don't want to stop him on the wing. So this just kind of makes sense. But now I'm looking at Cap Friendly right now, and what um, what I made a mistake on again uh, I gotta get a mistake button. Thing. <laughs> but uh, anyway, it, it's uh, John Beecher has a nine hundred twenty-five thousand um, dollar entry level contract for the next three years. So if if he does make the lineup, you're really not saving uh, that much in in cap space. You know, you're yeah. saving uh, you know, seventy-five thousand dollars, and that's really that's pennies uh, in, in the conversation that we're having right now. But um, I just I. I I think John and his character when we, when he first came to camp or, and so on, it's just, yeah, I left Michigan, which we thought was a powerhouse team. We thought we were going to, you know, possibly win a national championship, but I haven't earned anything with the Boston Bruins organization and my development doesn't stop. Uh, and he just continued to say that he's got a lot of work to do to make, make it to the, the, the level where he's been dreaming that he'd be for the last, I don't know, how 21 years. He's 21 years old. So let's just say for the last 15 years, you know, um, every kid wants to be in the NHL and he's probably living the dream right now. And he's, and he's got a real good chance to make that happen. Um, but I do see him like just outdoing. I know we have a lot of camp to go. We have a lot of preseason games to go. Anything could happen right now. But I honestly think that if I had to put a Hondo on betonline.ag, that if John Beecher <laughs> makes the fourth line center um, out of camp, I, I, I'm I'm real confident with that right now because I just don't see that in uh, in Thomas Nosek, and I'm sure that yes. I'm sure that him and scouting staff are also on him as well for his uh, ability last night or lack thereof to you know try to get any creativity or so on. Um, I didn't even see him make any, any impactful plays much like, you know, like a unicompanent did, you know, with the, with the two key right. takeaways and so on. So, I mean, it's apples and oranges, I get it, but still, it's just like, you can see the drive in Beecher uh, every day and, and see that he really is working harder. He's a big kid. 
Um, you know, and, and I think here's, a, here's another great little twist to this freaking conversation. Who makes the NHL first, John Beecher or uh, Fabian Lysol? I think Beecher. Me I think too. Beecher. See? Yes. yes. Because that, right now that seems to be the need that we, we need. Right. We need somebody on the fourth line middle that, that is size and speed and can add that little bit of physical. I'm not saying Beach is a tough guy. I don't think he did. I don't think he fought last year in the minimal games that he got into Providence in the American Hockey League level after leaving the NCAA um, Michigan Wolverines. But that's not the type of play I'm talking about. I'm just talking about those types of players, a better Thomas Nosek. That's all. That's all I'm yes. saying. You know? So, I mean, like I said, anything can happen. It's, it's, it's going to be an interesting camp. It's going to be really cool to see how everything pans out. And obviously I just really want to see this team just do well, keep your heads above water until Mac and Grizz come back. And, and particularly uh, Brad Marchand to add that offensive threat, but that's going to be an interesting uh, storyline in itself coming back from double hip surgery and, and how much is he going to be able to do when, when he's a pivot master, you know what I mean? The guy cuts right. the line, cuts looks and so on. Is he going to be able to do that? Or is he going to be a little more of a coaster? Yeah. Well, I will say really quick too, and then I'll jump to Marshawn, but um, Johnny Beecher is uh, 21 years old. Yes. And Thomas Noshek is 30. Yeah. So, the point where Thomas Noshek is in his career, he probably doesn't have the same drive as he once did when he was that 21-year-old. So what you're going to get out of Beecher is the energy and the drive and just the commitment to stay in that position that Thomas Noshek won't have. Johnny Beecher, at the end of the day, would probably do anything to stay in the lineup. So that's just going to create an environment within his mind of like, okay, I need to work. I'm working 110%. I'm going to have to work 120%. So he's going to bring that energy into that fourth or third, not third line, but into that fourth line. And that ultimately would probably run off on or rub off on other guys in the lineup. I, I don't want to bring it back to this, but that 2011 team, that fourth line, the Merlot line, the Pie, yeah. Sean Thornton and the Gregory Campbell, they created so much energy just when they were on the ice, that it rubbed off on everybody else. And if you can bring in a guy like Johnny Beecher, not saying that he's comparable in any way to anybody on that fourth line in 2011, but the energy that he'll bring, the willingness to compete, the, the, um, he, I mean, he's fighting for a spot, so he's going to be playing balls to the wall every shift, you would assume. Um, and that's just going to rub off on the team, and that, that energy that, a single player like him could create could be paramount to the, the not only the chemistry, but you know, the energy levels of the team, like sure. Thomas Nosek has been in the league for a little bit. He knows what he's doing. He's played, he has experience, but he doesn't necessarily when he's out there bring any form of energy that rubs off on any other guys. But if you have that youth in the lineup, that's fighting for a spot, and they they know that every shift matters, it's gonna rub off on other people. I mean, that's what that's what I want to see personally. I'm sick and tired of seeing these vets come in and and just take a spot and go go out and play their their 12, 13, 14 minutes a, a night. I want to see these young guys who we've drafted into the lineup and I want to see them fight for their spot and really every shift just 
just drive and and yeah. and and fight until they know they have that role in the team. I've said this five times already, but that just drives everybody else to work harder. And yep. it's it's something that every team needs, I think. Um, and I think Johnny Beecher could could really fit that role this year. Yeah. And my base my biggest fear to wrap this uh episode two ninety eight up pretty much is um I want younger players to be attracted to Boston. You know, yes. so if you're constantly bringing in vets and so on that you want the vets to, you know, push your younger players, but also have that vet there for uh, that break class in a case of emergency and, and that NHL experience going into the ne- upcoming season. I get that aspect of the game, but when you do it year by year and like I said, you're cock blocking basically a lot yeah. of, of, of these players, I don't know. Maybe a younger player around the league just doesn't say, hey, when I'm a free agent, I don't want to go to Boston because, I, you know, if you look at the depth and how how strong they are with their current core and how, you know, if you're an NHL contracted player and you're, you're a decent amount of money, you're actually going to be paid because you make money. You're not – a lot of the two-way deals don't get a lot of action. It just seems like every year Don Sweeney and the coaching staff say if you're – if you're if you're playing hard, you'll earn your time. But I really haven't seen I've seen players that I've I'm like, wow, this guy is playing better in the AHL right now than a guy at the NHL, but that guy won't get sat because he's making a million dollars and they don't want him to have him sitting in, in level nine making a million dollars when you know I, I the advancement and the way that the money dictates your playing time is a little off for me. And it has been. And it seems like it's been a trend for a couple of years now. Yeah. Yeah, especially when you're talking about, you know, the Bruins are signing veterans to take those bottom six roles. It's like if I'm just putting myself into the shoes of the younger guys, it's like, well, how am I going to grow in this organization? You know, it's it's what's my role here? Am I really going to be an AHL player for another year or two yep. just because they signed a guy like Felino? It's like that's why I constantly say sometimes it's like. He's a good player, and he and he right. could have a good opportunity. But I think that opportunity is going to be elsewhere in the NHL for for consistent NHL time because they're looking at the depth, saying I'm not going to be able to crack any of this lineup right. because they're too stubborn to play the freaking younger guys. Now, hopefully, now that Jim Montgomery's involved in the fold, he's the type of guy that will allow a little more patience, trust, and consistency to get a younger player to like really buy in and say. I need to be here. Not just a flash in the pan and say, oh, I just got one game in and I was fucking nervous, but now I'm back down in Providence. Right, you know? right. So. And we've seen that way too much. Exactly. Like, even even with guys like Jack Stanika, I mean, how many times have we seen him come up and play maybe five games and then just get sent right back down? Yep. You're, you're never going to be able to develop, you know, into your skills if you're just getting five games at the professional level and then you just get sent back to right where you were. It's it's frustrating. It has to be so frustrating for those guys. All right, my man. Let's um let's end this right now. I, w- I want to say thank you very much, uh, Mike, for your time today. And I like I said, it's the eleventh hour, um, and we, we really hope that Kevin O'Keefe uh, is feels better. Uh, yeah. And I do want to uh, shout out, obviously, uh, Dom. Hopefully, he gets better as well uh, in his um, return to good health, and hopefully, back on this podcast talking hockey where he. He loves to be, and we love to be with us. So, um, Mike, I, I truly appreciate your your time and, and energy and your knowledge. Um, you know, when you when you hop on, it's, it's always a great conversation. It's yeah. almost like we're just sitting here at the bar having a couple of drinks, talking <laughs> bees. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
But please, folks uh, and YouTube viewers, please go to the Something Brewing Hockey Podcast on Apple Podcasts and, and Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. Uh, I believe you're on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and all those, the worldwide platforms. These guys are real fun. <laughs> Yeah, it's some hot takery in there. I'll give you a warning, but it's <laughs> yeah. a lot of fun, and and they do, you know, they do a good job. They got some really good content over the off season with with like um, all time player, all time Bruin player drafts. I thought that was a great little series you guys did. That yeah, was a that lot was of fun. fun. Yeah. yeah. So uh, please follow Mike as well. If you're on YouTube, you can see his handle right there, and he is at underscore Mike Sullivan for the uh, audio listeners. Um, and I just want to end up by um, end the program by talking about our Patreon account. Um, we, we do have a, a campaign going on and it's starting back up this month uh, in October. So October and the end of October, we're welcome. We're welcoming back the sport of hockey and Boston Bruins hockey in particular, but we want to celebrate with our financial supporters. Uh, the, some of the best people out there. Uh, if you donate $1, to patreon.com slash block and go hockey podcast you will be involved into this unbelievable prize pack that we've been building up with your funds so half of your funds paid the uh the electric bills and all the stuff to uh get this keep this sports media company rolling but the other half went into buying more stuff to give away and this month this october we're giving away this ray bork hand signed jersey fully authenticated from Bruce Sullivan and Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. We just we, we normally do jerseys here. No, we added something else. A mini Ooh. helmet signed by Ray Bork. Oh. That's a fantastic item. And also an 8x10 signed by the legend himself in Hockey Hall of Famer. And one more thing, because I couldn't stop with the, with the money, and I just was so excited about this prize pack. Because <laughs> I think people are going to like it, and I think it'll get oh, more yeah. people involved in – and, and these jersey giveaways that we're going to be doing every month. And it's, oh, it's, yeah. uh, the last thing is just a hand signed puck by the man himself, Mr. Ray Walk, number 77. So if you donate just $1 per episode, we record four episodes to possibly eight a month, maybe six, four to six, four to eight, right around there. So technically, you're not spending more than $8 a month. It's a real small investment um, to get these hand signed jerseys and so on and, and other great prizes. Uh, we have merchandise we're going to be giving away. Um, Mike's going to be doing a merch line pretty soon on the yes, uh, something brewing uh, hockey podcast. We're excited about that. Um, join us. If you want to become a writer, we have uh, media credentials for the American hockey league, Providence Bruins. So we have media credentials for the East coast hockey league, Maine Mariners. Um, and we have uh, uh, podcast opportunities to join our network. So get in touch with me at uh, black and gold productions, LLC at gmail.com. And uh, just throw me, throw me some ideas. If you, if you have any other creativity, uh, if you want to be a, an editor, a copy editor, anything like that, just join our crew. If you have something to give, we have the platform to do it. So with that being said, I want to uh, thank show sponsors, betonline.ag. I want to thank uh, um, Athletic Greens. And obviously, I want to thank Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. And I want to thank the listeners for the uh, the constant downloads. We're, we're, we're killing it with the downloads lately. It's been unbelievable. Thank you very much. And it's just getting better because we were rocking every week of the offseason. And we're going to be rocking every week of the, uh, the regular season. So uh, we love doing that. Hopefully we get um, uh, Kevin O'Keefe back on and Dom Tiano. But if not, I can always reach out to good guys on the network like Mike and other, uh, other show members uh, that are on the network too. So we'll keep the content going. But until then, 
Um, you know, the, uh, the Boston Bruins have an exhibition game against the Rangers uh, this Tuesday, the 27th. And then they have one at one o'clock against the Philadelphia Flyers on October 1st. We're getting closer, folks. We're getting closer to NHL, AHL, East Coast League and stuff like that. So and please go to the blackandgoldhockey.com website and see great articles written by Mike and myself and, and the other 20, I think, five members of our BNG company. And uh, yeah, so we, we definitely appreciate the support. So with that being said, I'm the host, Mark Allred. That is Mr. Mike Sullivan. We will talk to you guys next week. Peace the F out. Peace. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at Black and Gold Pod, at BNG Productions, at Black and Gold 277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out.